You're listening to Curious Conversations About Sex, and my name is Rog. Join me as I invite sexuality specialists to do our best to answer your questions about sex. Topics range from the simple through to the ridiculously complex. So long as it somehow relates to sex, it's up for grabs. Please be mindful that some topics might be great stuff for younger people to listen to, and some might not. Curious Conversations About Sex is brought to you by Curious Creatures, who run a variety of workshops on related topics in Australia. Find Curious Creatures and submit your questions for us to answer at curiouscreatures.biz. B-I-Z. Today we're chatting with Barbara Corellis and Cindy Darnell. Uh, we'll uh, hear a little more about what they're up to after the show, but um, perhaps, uh, Cindy, if you could first just say a couple of words about um, who you are and what you do. Thanks, Rog. Well, I'm a sex and relationship therapist and I'm based in Melbourne, although I also see uh, clients over Skype. And I've been working in sexuality in a bunch of different capacities for over 20 years. And I can't believe it's been that long. And uh, I'm still not tired yet. So that's a good thing. And Barbara, who are you? Hi, Rog. And hello, Cindy. Uh, I'm Barbara Corellis, and I'm the author of Urban Tantra, Sacred Sex for the 21st Century, and Ecstasy is Necessary. I am also a sex educator. I'm based in New York City, um, as well as an author, and I'm a sex life coach. So great to have the both of you on the show. And so to today's question, what's it like being a public figure in the field of sex? Hmm, what's it like being a public figure in the field of sex, sexuality, I guess? Um, I might actually start off on this one. And um, I imagine since this is more of a personal thing, I might just give us freedom to go a little slower and take a little more time because it's just uh, going to be our stories, I think. For me, what I first get to thinking about is just what an extraordinary privilege it is to be able to have a voice on topics that I care really deeply about. For me, it was one thing to be able to move into the realm of workshops and um, historically counselling and so forth because um, they were just uh, areas that were so so passionate. Uh, the whole the whole realm of sexuality and gender and so forth is just a yeah a real area of interest. And so. Yeah, I guess now that I am becoming more of a public figure, I just just being able to have a voice is just amazing. I feel like every couple of days I, I thank my stars for being able to be in that position. Uh, I think it's also a really tricky journey. I, I think the the areas of sexuality and self-development tends to attract a lot more critical assessment than other fields do because it's just such deeply personal content. So like, for instance, if I was an architect and I came up with a drawing style or a, a building design style um, it's, and someone doesn't like it, it's not so very personal and it's not so confronting. Uh, for them, for for if I was to then go and, and build that building, but in the realm of yeah, sexuality and self development, it's so much more personal. It taps into all of our hurts, and I think a lot of people feel really strongly about what should and shouldn't happen in the world of sexuality, and so it can be a pretty wild ride uh, putting thoughts and an opinion out there, uh, and it can be pretty strong. Uh, I know of other people who were running events and forums in the realm of 
sexuality and so forth and have basically stopped doing it uh, because uh, the blowback and the criticism has been uh, too strong for them to bear. I don't know for myself. I, I have a... Um, a support group, like like quite a formal support group of peers um, that I meet with. I also have, I kid you not, I've got three separate supervisors um, just because the area is is uh, so nuanced and complicated and tricky and they all specialize in different aspects of it. And sometimes I have sessions with all three of them simultaneously, um, but mostly just uh, one at a time according to their, their area of specialization. But I think that's a level of support that, um, yeah, I know for myself I need. And again, if I was an architect, I don't feel like things would be quite that intense. And I just want to apologize to architects. I'm really sorry. I'm talking about you like one group. I really don't know what that whole scene is like. And maybe it's really intense for you as well. So my apologies, dear dear architect friends. I, I love what you design and build. Um I think I think within within our so I identify most of the time as part of a queer community or I, I sort of identify as non-gendered myself uh, if I can, and I know even just speaking within my community, uh, we just simply don't agree on most things in relation to sexuality, uh, and so when I or when one wades in and takes a stand or takes an opinion or voices a perspective. Uh, it is just literally not possible to please all the people all of the time. So, yeah, you wind up, you wind up in some passionate territory. Yeah. But, um, yeah, most, mostly I love it. Mostly, mostly I love being out. I love being out on this topic. Um, and I, I love the, the inner work that flows from it. And I'm, I'm just, I'm back where I began. It's just uh, such, a, such a privilege. E- even with the complexity, uh, I am in my happy spot. So whatever life choices have led me to this point, I'm, um, I'd do them all again. Yeah, that, that's, my, that's my funny little rave, I think, about being a public figure in the field of sex. Perhaps if we go to Cindy, do you, uh, what are your thoughts on being a public yeah, figure in the field of sex really, and sexuality? It's really um, it's interesting. And, like, you know, I agree, um, you know, that it, it's absolutely it's a privilege. And especially in, um, in Australia where at a public level, at a, at a broader sort of mainstream public level, we don't get to have a lot of conversations about sex that much. Um, and when we do, they are often quite sort of uh, juvenile and giggly and um, often not especially helpful. So the opportunities that I have when I do work in broader mainstream media to bring a level of um, – of importance to discussions around sexuality is absolutely a privilege. And the more that my profile increases in that regard, the more I hope to create a space of permission for people to be able to talk about this. Not to say that sex has to be serious all the time, absolutely not. But when the default setting, which tends to be what happens in Australia, our cultural default setting when we feel uncomfortable is to make a joke about something, and that's great, um, and that's a really helpful mechanism to manage discomfort. However, when that's the sole response to discomfort, we're going to have a problem. And because the tendency in Australia is to default to the, you know, the larrikin and the jokester, um, we often miss having more important conversations about sex and and revealing the vulnerability. So, I recognise that the position I have. Um, as someone who is often a go-to spokesperson in the broader media for sexuality really is a privilege. At a personal level, 
it's a bit difficult <laughs> because yeah, yeah how about that you know well, if I if I want to get laid Rog if I want to yes, get Cindy. laid I might have to water down what I do for a living and you know because the folks that I might want to get it on with um I you know I I sort of make it a rule within myself I don't you know I don't screw the crew so I I don't shag people that I work with I certainly don't yeah. shag my clients um and I tend to avoid hooking up with people even in the sex education community just because it gets messy and weird and awkward so I tend to I don't get my meat where I get my bread you know so uh, I love all of the language you have around this this is so great I feel like you must have had to explain this so many times <laughs> because when I'm uh when I'm, you know, looking on the hunt, as it were, um, I use a variety of options, and part, this is partly why I go overseas so much, um, yeah. because I'm not known, and I can I can be me, and that's not to say that like right now I'm not being me, I am being me, but there are many me's, there are multiple authenticities that I have, and the work me and the me that wants to play are not. Um, necessarily incompatible with each other but they bring different things and I think for any sort of prospective lovers that I might have um, they need to to have the conversation of what I do for a job apparently is intimidating it's and funny I get a that there's a couple of things that there's a couple of concepts like like one is that you would think that as you move more and more into specialization and professionalization within your field that the world of options would open and expand but it actually doesn't it gets tighter and narrower and tighter yeah. um so that's one thing another thing this is a whole other topic potentially is when you get a certain level of uh, professionalism about you and skill and experience and so forth, um, again, it just starts to become intimidating and a lot of people struggle to breach that gap. And a lot of people, even when you say, no, I just adore and enjoy hanging out with you, you are absolutely worth it for exactly what you are. I'm not sitting here assessing you on skill levels or, or anything like that. It's very hard. We're it's all such really egotistical difficult. people. It's very hard for people to believe that and yeah, flow. It's really difficult. I mean, even my most recent holiday, when I was meeting people, brand new people who didn't know who I was, and, you know, the conversation comes up about what do you do? And I, sometimes I tell them the whole truth, and I, sometimes I just say I'm a therapist and I leave it at that. You know, the people, when I say I'm a sex and relationship therapist, I get, you know, the responses I get are either deathly silent, just nothing, you know, cockroaches, yeah. tumbleweeds, or uh, they will start to tell me all of their sex problems, yeah. or they are terrified that I'm going to sit there and analyze them. And I'm yeah. like, you know, yep. mate, you're not paying me. Yeah. I'm not at work now. I'm just sitting here having a pina colada on the beach. You asked me a question. I answered it. Let's talk about something else. So, <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. Um, I think that thing that, you know, if you meet a doctor, are you going to sort of whip out, your, you take your shoe off and your sock and ask them about your tinea? You're not, you're not necessarily going to do that. Or you might. But, oh, you know, yeah, they do. Too. They do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's the thing. Yeah, with sex and relationships as a sex and relationship therapist that people perceive that as somehow intimidating especially if sexuality is not something that they've ever thought about or talked about or whatever um mm. and so that can I, be really problematic from a dating perspective for me so I, uh I know if any of your listeners would like to date me 
Go ahead. <laughs> wow, you need to start a dating podcast, Rod. So <laughs> yeah. I know this conversation is also really, really um, present always amongst the sex worker community because the the rank difference of, of skill and ability and so forth, yeah. um, you just get, get into that moment where you're with someone and they ask you what you do and it's the make or the break. There's, there's every chance that that's the moment you lose them. So yep. through intimidation. Um, Barbara, what are your thoughts on what it's like being a public figure in the field of sex? And by Cindy, by the way, Cindy, thank you so much and thank you so much for that really um, personal personal take on that oh you're welcome hmm. this the, the topic of the line between personal and professional is something we spend a lot of time in in the urban uh talking about at the urban tantra professional training program because um so much of what you say i relate to so I, i'm not going to repeat a lot of that i i just want to look at the the uh, the the whole question of setting boundaries as Cindy referred to media um I you know I'll, I'll, I will get a phone call a text message or a Facebook message or something that says just saw you on HBO here in Liverpool and I'm like whoa whoa hey I'm in my bathrobe trying to have a coffee I didn't expect to enter into a public conversation about something I did 15 years ago that's still airing <laughs> you know um while I was just trying to wake up um so one of the things we look at first in the training program and have discussed is the question of 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 setting boundaries like I had a question the other day that was, um, how many sex partners had I had? And you know, normally these I don't answer, but this seemed to be a bit more serious and I had a minute and I was having that cup of tea. And I started engaging by email with this fellow and it, and I was partially doing it to see where my boundaries were. And we narrowed it down and said, well, I have a pretty broad view of sex, so I really couldn't tell you. And he kept trying to narrow it down till he got to penis in vagina. How many times has that happened? And I went, I don't answer that. <laughs> You've just found my boundary. I'm not teaching anymore. That you just crossed, you just hit the line. Yeah. And he was very polite. It's just that's not a question I feel comfortable answering with someone I've never met. So beyond, you know, and prior to that, I was using it as an educational tool. Well, why are you focused on that? Or what do you mean by sex? And we were having an educational discussion. And I was, my intention is always to provide permission and possibilities for people. So if a personal story of mine will give someone else needed permission or show them some possibilities, I will tend to go there. And then, and you never know when it's coming, you just got to learn to feel it when it happens. There'll be this place where you go, no, 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 no. I don't reveal that. And for someone who's written so much about and done so much on film about what it is I do do sexually, it's been um, interesting to find my own boundaries. It's, it's, it's been a learning curve for me. And I think anyone who is out there in the world sexually more publicly than some other people, and that could just be you and your personal life are more out there than your community. Um, you just have to find where your boundaries are. And if you think you don't have any, then you need to take a breath, step back and find them. 
because Mm. we all have boundaries and we all need to have boundaries. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, because, you know, public figure in sex ranges from the community level to the international and, and it's all a stage of degree and anybody who does anything that isn't behind a firmly locked door will in some way someday be a public figure around sexuality. Yeah. yeah. And it's this, this very weird interplay in, in, in our fields of choice where um, at some stage you do have to be personal about it. You, you do have to practice and talk about your own sex life and your own relationship experiences and so forth. So at, at some stage you have to cross that line and, and get quite personal and quite exposed. Um, but then, yeah, so, so I, I agree with you completely, Barbara. It just means that at some stage you are also going to have to work out where that line is. Uh, cause you go, you go too far with that and you've got your personal information splashed all over the internet and people reading and misinterpreting things. And that's a really difficult moment in sport. Yeah. And, and also you go out of ethics, you know, because yeah. boundaries are how you hold your ethics, who you do what with, what you share, what you don't, what you keep private. That's where your yeah. ethics are also rooted. And if you're going to be any kind of public figure or uh, example to other people around sex or anything else, you have to know where your ethics are. And people go, well, what should my ethics be? I said, you know, I don't really care. I just want you to have some. Yeah. <laughs> and stick yeah. to them yeah. and yeah. be transparent about them. Yeah. Yeah. Transparency of ethics is yes. Oh, love that. Thank you for saying it. Um, I know that uh, for me, like just as we move towards finishing, um, uh, one of the things I wasn't so much expecting uh, was the, the impact on, on not being able to play in public. And I didn't even know that that was such an important mm-hmm. thing for me, but there's, there's a couple of parts to it. One is that I can't, afford to have someone see a small section of play that I do with someone else uh, and misunderstand or misinterpret that and then go away and say certain things based on what they saw. And the other thing is, um, I like I, I now have taught a, a few, a couple or a few thousand people in workshops, and I can't recognise. I don't remember who I've taught anymore. Right. And so, being in public play situations, especially if there's alcohol involved, things escalate, or, or rather, things elevate incredibly quickly. And you can go from just having a casual conversation with a friend to being involved in all sorts of elaborate, juicy situations with people you should not be involved with, or rather, if I speak in the first person people i should not be involved with so i've now put a in place i i basically don't play in public and i also can't get drunk at um uh, certain styles of events because yeah things just get too wild too quickly yep good advice yeah Yeah. any uh any closing thoughts from uh, either of you on this question of what's it like being a public figure in the field of sex yeah, I think, I mean, the main thing, I, just to, you know, um, empathize there with you around the, <clears throat> I didn't realize it would be as lonely as it is um, mm. because of the mm. stigma <clears throat> that, um, you know, I was at an event last night, which was a, not a sex-related event. It was a, <clears throat> a theater um, opening and you know it was great and it was fabulous and there were lots of you know wonderful things happening and as you're moving around the room chatting to people and I you know the the question always comes up what do you do and I tell them um and there's just that that awkwardness that if I had said you know I was a gardener or an architect it wouldn't have been (laughs) nearly as awkward and that as much as it you know I'm used to it 
I've been doing it for so many years, it still is, um, it's still a little bit of a burden to carry around. And I look forward to the day that I can say what I do for a living and people are, you know, re- react in the same way as if I had said I was a gardener, that it becomes just such a, oh, okay, nice, you know, as mm. opposed to a, ooh, or a raised eyebrow or, or you know, yeah. shame or embarrassment or whatever coming up and having to perpetually be the re- recipient of that um Yes. Take its toll. And, and, you know? <laughs> and, pe- and pe- people sometimes wonder why folks like us tend to hang out with folks like us. Yeah. And right. It's, par- right. it's partly because right. it's very hard to step outside of this world. Yeah. Yeah. It, <sighs> it is. So, yeah. So I wish, you know, they didn't tell me that when I was learning in the initial stages, but uh, prepare for the loneliness of it. But it is, it can be quite lonely. So uh, for any potential, you know, fledgling sex educators or sex therapists out there. My advice, hang out with artists. They don't care. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Uh, well, that's as beautiful to a them, note. it's just another art. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a lot of a lot of my friends are performers, and that's possibly yeah. why, because, um, you know, they're actors or comedians or writers and that kind of thing. And hang they out with performers mm. and artists. Yeah, they don't care. But open mind. <laughs> Open-minded in one area often means open-minded in another. Yes, exactly. All right, friends, thank you so much for um, fronting up to that question so personally and so vulnerably. I really appreciate that. Pleasure. So I would love to hear a little more about anything that the two of you have got coming up. Um, perhaps, uh, Cindy, we'll start with you. Um, I would love to hear a little more about, um, if you want to say something about uh, what type of, uh, what you do as a practitioner and uh, your uh, perfect type of client and, of course, how those clients can find you. Mm-hmm. So I'm just in the process of launching a new uh, series of, workshops um which you know i have i mean i've put it on my website but i haven't done any promotion for it yet so this is this is brand new hot off the press nobody knows about this except you guys and my friend who i went out with last night um because <laughs> i haven't done any pr for it yet but i'm i'm running some um mindfulness and intimacy uh workshops for women who experience um trauma and pain with sex and sexuality because um, on my break while I was away in India, I did a lot of research into what are the current um, best practices uh, that clinicians are using around the world to work with um, pain and trauma for women in, in sexuality. And so the program that I'm putting together is a six-week program on starting from the 15th of February on Wednesday evenings um, that is open to uh, all women, including trans women. Um, and it's just going to be a small group. We're going to be meeting for two hours on Wednesday nights um, to really explore the impact of uh, integrating mindfulness with sexuality and sex education for women. Um, And this is with a particular focus on women who struggle with sexuality. So 
um, because there's a lot of workshops and a lot of classes for people who are interested in sort of being curious and exploring new things, but there aren't a lot of places that people who are actually suffering in sexuality can go and um, learn how to get themselves to a level where they would then feel more confident to perhaps come to one of your workshops, Rog. So this is like a precursor. Um, for people who want to start integrating sexuality into their life after they've had some pain or trauma or something difficult happening, um, but they don't, they're not quite ready to go to a fully-fledged sex workshop yet. Yeah, fantastic. And yeah. so uh, where can people find you and, and that course? So they can come to my website, which is www.cindydarnell.com. So it's spelled C-Y-N-D-I-D-A-R-N-E-L-L.com. And all my information is there. Um, if they would like to book in for private sessions, I can see people face-to-face -face or via Skype. Um, and all the listings for my workshops are there. And the best way for folks to keep in touch with me is to subscribe to my mailing list, which is also on my website as well and you, you get a free um 22 page downloadable book when you subscribe to my website it's called reboot Ooh. your sex life so that's pretty quite exciting the enticement yeah. <laughs> wonderful and barbara uh what do you have coming up um particularly i'd love to hear about anything any australian offerings you've got uh yeah what have you got coming up who's that for and how can people find you I'm coming back to Australia from mid-April through mid-May this year, 2017, with uh, two of my signature programs. The first one is the Urban Tantra Experience. That's a weekend workshop on the weekend of April 28th and 30th. This year's theme is Breath, Sensation, and Power. The themes change. Um, this year... You'll learn how breath, conscious touch, and erotic power exchange, all of which obviously can be such great fun. But this weekend, we'll also look at how they can also soothe, center, and empower us in these challenging times. Then, from May 9th through 14th, I'm offering the next Australian edition of the Urban Tantra Professional Training Program. This is a six-day comprehensive training program in the practice and application of conscious sexuality. This is a transformational life and career-changing program for sexuality professionals, for those who are considering becoming a sexuality professional, or people who simply want to take their personal sexuality to that next level. It is, um, has turned into one of the world's kind of cutting-edge sexuality courses, according to my graduates, and it's certainly been the foundation of an astounding, supportive international urban tantra community. And since so much of my work grew, started, and was grown by my Australian colleagues, it is always my greatest joy and thrill to come back to Australia because it's life-changing for me too. Mm. If you want, it certainly is and always has been, and I suspect always will be. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, <laughs> and so where can people find, can find further out, information? You can find out more at barbaracarellis.com. That's B-A-R-B-A-R-A, Corellis, C-A-R-R-E-L-L-A-S, Com, where you can also subscribe to my mailing list. And much like Cindy, you can also get juicy free downloads. <laughs> Yay. Um, so I'm hoping to see you all in uh, April and May. 
Yeah. And can I, just, can I just quickly check, Barbara, is uh, the, the site that you've just given out, is that also the most direct route to get to the book Urban Tantra? Ah, you can you can get to the book Urban Tantra or Ecstasy is Necessary right directly from Amazon, if that's your pleasure. Um, if that's probably the simplest, or obviously, go to your local bookstore, support them so that it doesn't close. The bookstore, that is. Yes. I, th- I just uh, particularly ask about Urban Tantra. It's been my go-to recommendation for people asking um, what's, a, what's a great starting point um, for my journey into the world of my sexuality. It's just such a profound and good book. Oh, thank you. You've been listening to Curious Conversations About Sex, brought to you by Curious Creatures. We run a variety of workshops on sexuality and self-development, and you can find us at curiouscreatures.com. Is B I Z.